0: Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSBA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and all. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Play by Players. Today we are joined by a 10-year professional player he played in the usl was called the a league then but the usl he played in mls he was a member of the u.s men's national team he is a member of the class of the 2015 east carolina university hall of fame the class of 2015 state of north carolina hall of fame joining the likes of the greats in the game of soccer, like Carla Overbeck, Eddie Pope, Roy Lasseter, Will Hesmer, Eddie Robinson, Tab Ramos, Cindy Parlocone, Logan Paws, and Mia Hamm, to name a few. He is a two time supporter Shield champion and a U.S. Open Cup champion. He's played over 250 professional games across all competition. Please welcome to the podcast, my friend Clyde Sims. Thanks for having
1: me, Bob. Thanks. What's going on, man? How Not are you doing, much, eh? I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, ma- maintaining. I think trying to get through this uh, this virus like everyone else is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I was looking at your, uh, you know, your, we talk a lot on Instagram, and uh, mm-hmm. today I looked at some of the old photos, and they're not that old, but you have pictures with your shirt <laughs> off, and I went straight to the gym right after work. I just <laughs> well, I did a hundred sit-ups. I, I did a hundred yeah. sit-ups just to try to, you know, uh, embrace uh, the, the healthy body that you have. About, and I don't try to
1: be an inspiration, you
0: know? <laughs> well, yeah, you're good. It's working here. It's working here. So I I, uh, I I was excited when you said you do this. I, I think you're one of the most lovable guys we'll probably have on this podcast. Um, you know, I, I've never, I tell people, I've never met anyone that uh, didn't like being around you. Um, and that includes Stephen DeRoe, who, Uh, You used to make fun of for dancing anytime music was on. So, um, you know, you have one of the most contagious laughs of anyone we've ever uh, had on. And the the goal is to get that laugh to come out during this interview. We'll see. If anybody can do it, I think it's you. All right. Well, uh, first, I want to say hi to some of your family members. Uh, I know I got to know Kendra and Cabrera when uh, we played together. So hi to the sisters, your twin sisters that are listening. And uh, that starts us uh, where you're from in in North Carolina, uh, Jamestown. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's uh, kind of for those that don't know, it's between High Point, Greensboro, Winston-Salem. I know you have the research triangle in Raleigh. Do you have mm-hmm. a triangle for where you're from? Is it called something? No, cool like
1: that? I, uh, we were like the uh, Piedmont Piedmont. Um, it wasn't like a district. It was just called Piedmont. Yeah, that was okay. it. So it was like um, Jamestown uh, or sorry, High Point, Greensboro and Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem OK. OK. Like, like, like yep. Well, the important thing is, is, uh, that's a really big
0: hotbed. I know I named some of those people from the hall of fame. Those are household names in American soccer. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about North Carolina being a a real hotbed for, for soccer when you were growing up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, I mean, when you're growing up in an area, it wasn't until we got older playing soccer and traveling with soccer that we saw other areas, you know? So all we knew was North Carolina. Um, and, and after traveling around, uh, it was great. I mean, think about the weather. The weather was awesome. Um, you could play soccer for most of the year, you know. Um, and that, that's great. Obviously, the more – more, you know, I live up in Boston now, and, like, there's a long part of the – a lot a lot of the year where it's just not it's not feasible. So um, we were lucky to be down in North Carolina with the warmer weather. And um, with warmer weather, we had great, like, great fields. Um, Brian Park, I know a lot of guys probably played there because it was, like – when I was growing up, it was like the best um place to play. It had probably almost 20 fields, and all of them were um, just as good as any field we played in uh professionally. Um it was it was awesome. Um so so and,
0: so very very similar to the RFK auxiliary field then. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh at times that field was nice, but the um yeah, yeah. Uh it was it was cool. And we um we also didn't know how good we were until we started playing like tournaments like when I was when I was growing up we 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 won state cup one season right and then we after that one season it it wasn't a fluke but it wasn't like we weren't we weren't favored to win for sure and we won and then every every good player uh, in the area and then players were traveling from like an hour away two hours away Uh, many of the guys listening probably know Will Hesmer Will Hesmer lived an hour away or uh, probably like an hour and a half away and he came to our team. We beat his team in the final. And uh, all the good kids from that team came to our team. And then we just became a powerhouse, like little, little old Jamestown. And we won state, I think, every every year until I graduated high school <laughs> after that. Well, I,
0: well, I was going to say, and you were the Jamestown Jammers, is
1: that right? Yep. Jamestown Jammers, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's such and- a small town that uh, after a while, we had, we had more age groups. But after a while, it was like just us. It was just our age <laughs> group, Jamestown Jammers, and then that was it. <laughs> Well no, it sounds it sounds
0: like uh it sounds like y'all are ballers. I, I think uh for those that listen to this podcast, we focus a lot on um, you know, the mascots and the, the you have some pretty cool ones as we'll see uh, as we go forward. But uh the Jamestown Jammers, if if there was like a thing that would describe Clyde really well, like the jammers is definitely a team name.
1: Jammers,
0: uh, yeah. And and you kinda mentioned uh how good y'all were up through high school. You were a two-sport athlete and pretty good at, at basketball. Not, not many people, uh, you know, I, yeah. it's funny. My roommate in college played basketball up until high school or through high school, and, you know, you uh, played basketball as well. It's not really common with uh, soccer and, and crossing over, but talk to me a little bit about being a basketball player.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the way I, I started playing soccer, uh, my dad was a basketball guy. He knew nothing about soccer. Growing up, they didn't have soccer. They didn't offer it, uh, not even in schools. And so he was a basketball guy. Um, w- when I got to the age where I could play sports, um, basketball season was probably uh, like probably four or five months away, and he wanted to get me into something immediately. So soccer was about to happen. Put me in soccer. Um, but he, he, like I said, he was a basketball guy, and so um, I was playing basketball every single year. I, I was actually better at basketball growing up than I was at soccer um, growing up. And then uh, I think and I, I talk to my dad about this all the time, I gravitated towards soccer because basketball like we, we would um, on the way to the game, during the game, after the game, he was like, on my case about it every everything because he knew basketball. He was a basketball guy and, and, uh, and he knew I had a lot of potential. Um, and then with soccer, he was silent. He, all he did all he did was support he, <laughs> I score a goal and he'd be real excited and, and cheer. But other than that, he didn't know anything. So he didn't, he didn't say anything. He didn't have, any, have anything to say. Um, and so I think I, we talk all the time and, and uh, that's the big reason why I gravitated towards soccer. But um, yeah, I was, I was like starting point guard um, for the uh, varsity team, like sophomore, junior year. I, I stopped playing after junior year. I didn't play senior year because I had already um, basically got my scholarship to go play soccer at East Carolina University. I didn't want to risk injury. Um so I just and I realized it wasn't tall enough. I'm only five nine. And uh yeah, so I just I gave it up. Gave it up. Well I,
0: well and, and he was he was your basketball coach, right?
1: You'd Growing did, up, yeah. Growing for a long up. time.
0: And yeah. but he didn't but he didn't coach. Uh I, I know he was I know your family he was always really active and coming to all your, you know, anything they could. Um yeah. so I know he didn't coach you in
1: soccer, but he was always there. Well, he, um, he was actually my first coach, Bob. Sorry. So oh, was first it? Rec, yeah, first rec team. He got – um he volunteered and he was the first coach. He had to buy the books to learn the rules and stuff like that. But um, after that first year, he was he was done. He was done. But, yeah, so he, he coached one season. Did, and did he want you to – did he want you to play basketball as well or was he okay with, with you making a decision to just go soccer? Well, once – I'll never forget, we were in the car um, – and let me back up a little bit. I almost quit soccer when I was a little bit younger to pursue basketball. Um, and I remember I was in the car with my dad and then we got home and we called my coach. And then right after we got the phone, I was like, nah, I changed my mind. I, I, I want to keep playing. So we called him back and then I, I continued to play soccer. But um, yeah, I, I kind of, it was just back and forth. And then you got to an age where you kind of had to choose. I mean, now kids, they, they can't even, I mean, kids basically play one sport nowadays. It's crazy. And then they're not even allowed uh, They play a certain level. They're not even allowed to play other sports. It's, it's wild. Um, but I think, um, I think having playing, playing two sports growing up allowed me to, to continue to love soccer as much as I did, uh, growing up, you know, it wasn't like a, such a burden. Yeah.
0: And I know you talked about almost quitting. I, I think it was, um, we can, we can move to high school and wasn't your club. Did your club coach become your high school coach? Is that did I do, did I, did I do my homework right on that? Or is that wrong?
1: For soccer? Yeah. I had two separate, two different coaches. Yeah. Okay. Two different coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was our, he was our coach all the way through until our junior year in high school. So ever since we were kids with the jammers and he stayed with us all the way through. Um, okay. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I know he was all about fun, which is, you know, we always try to tell people, make sure your kid, you know, everyone that's on this podcast loves, loves soccer and, you know, they make it about having fun. And it sounds like, um, your guy to that how how do i pronounce your high school southwest guilford high school is that yeah that's it i got got it it. right you got it and 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 your mascot at guilford uh was (laughs) the the cowboys and the cowgirls yeah cowboys cowgirls it (laughs) sounds it sounds more like
1: texas than north carolina it does it does yeah for sure and you know who else went to southwest well, I know Eddie, Eddie Pope went yeah, there. Yeah,
0: Eddie did, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't
1: worry. I'd look up all the alumni. Yeah, for, okay.
0: The first thing I do is make sure you're on the notable alum, And If not, I submit a request <laughs> to get you added. Um, but you're on there. And, uh, you know, there's some uh, there's some interesting people on there. There's some NFL and some WNBA players. Uh, and the interesting one, only because I know you and your affinity towards music, is uh, Adam Lazara, who's the Taking Back Sunday uh, vocalist. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later about music, but that was interesting. Um, so, you know, you talk about almost I, I kind of have been looking things up. It looked like you had a couple phases where you were like, not sure if you were going to keep going or not. I um, mean, you know, and, you know, it looks like you kind of made a decision on when you went to college it was all about playing time is that kind of uh accurate that you were more concerned with where you were going to be active and playing and you you weren't about this sitting on the bench stuff
1: yeah well yeah it was a little bit of that and to be perfectly honest um I went on a visit and I had a lot of fun at ECU and I <laughs> and I was I was sold that was like one of the first visits I went on um and they were they were going to give me basically a full I mean mixed with uh a little bit of uh, academic and minority I was um I was basically getting a full scholarship and, um, you know, talked to my dad and it was like the perfect distance away from, from home. It was like three and a half hour drive at the time. Um, and we were just, uh, yeah, I was just sold on it after that, after my visit. And, and I knew, I, I didn't know that I was going to play. Um, the, the program was fairly new. The coach, uh, he brought in a ton of us, uh, freshmen that year. And, um, and all of us, like, that was the big thing. We were going to get to play and get minutes and and get a lot of attention. And, and I, I think that's where I really developed in college. Um we weren't very good, but uh but I really developed it and I think it it I had I had buddies that went to other schools, uh, big time soccer schools, and they didn't play till their junior senior year. And by that time they they stopped loving the sport. Um and I, I was I was in a bit of what I thought a bit of better position. So yeah. so I know you said that you enjoyed the visit.
0: You had fun on the 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 trip, but uh were you pretty, you know, you you I know you as you know, people think you're shy, I think, uh, from afar. You know, you're reserved. And, you know, it's just one of those once, you know, you, once I get to know you, we know how you are. But as far as the way you play it, it's also not real flashy, um, meaning you're very efficient and, you know, you 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 connect and you do things really well in that regard. Did you feel like you were recruited to places you should have been recruited or, um, or was it one of those where – you know, it was just like you knew you believed in yourself and you found a coach that believed in you. Uh, just
1: yeah. Talk to me about the recruiting yeah, that was a big thing. I think uh, coach, the coach really sold me um, a lot of the big time schools. I got just letters. Right. No, not not even a phone call or anything like that. Um, and, and even on my club team, I wasn't even um I wasn't I, I mean, I was one of the top players, but we, we had a really good club team. And we go to different um, tournaments, and uh, where college coaches would come show up. And I was, you know, I wasn't like like you said a standout standout player. Um, I would get a couple of letters from some ACC schools back then, but uh, but our coach at ECU, like he was, you know, calling and calling. He had this plan, and I love loved his plan. We we had um we have an East West game All Star game uh in North Carolina, right? And we probably had like it was like nine of us that were going to be freshmen at East Carolina, and we we were really excited about it. And we were, you know, going to try to build something there, uh, that didn't exist. And I, I like that aspect too. Um, and yeah, the coach, the coach had us sold. And, um, yeah, it was, I think that was, that played a big role of it and it, a big role in it. Sorry.
0: Well, no, so, uh, what's the mascot at ECU, the, the pirates. The pirates. All right. Yeah. So, so, but, hey, so if, we're, yeah. <laughs> if we're keeping track, you're, you're a jammer, you're a cowboy yeah. and you're a pirate at this point. Purple uh, and gold. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, but, you know, you talk about you said you weren't very good, but uh, it kind of makes sense now, you know, why you were a three time captain for the team. Uh, you know, captain as a sophomore. It sounds like that's pretty big, uh, pretty big accomplishment. And uh, crazy stat is 73 games uh, in college. You only missed one game, yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, you kind of I, I talk about a little later about uh, some of your time with D.C. where you kind of became an Iron Man. Um, you know, but just just talk to me a little bit about you got some conference yeah. honors. um you know, you are close to home and that you do have some family support. but do you start believing at this point in college, um, uh, you know, the team's not a perennial powerhouse, but do you start believing that you have what it takes to to play at the next level?
1: Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, so we, we uh <laughs> but we can you and I came out the same year, and yep. back then, yep. if you remember, the recruiting was um, – and the scouting was basically just top schools. You know, you had to be really lucky. So we um, – the most I would get was going be, like, second team all-conference. Yeah. It was almost like a – and we – you know, it was almost like I was, I was, like, the standout player on ECU, and we would we would finish, like, second or last or last in the to USA uh, basically every year. But I was, like, the standout player, so they had to give us something, you know. And so I would end up being, like, second team uh second team was the highest I think I might have got third team a couple of times but um I I and that one game that I missed I believe it was the last game of the of my career there I got injured I hurt my knee I, I just got a, like an MCL sprain and so um I I majored in construction management and I thought that I was I was set I was um, about to start an internship um at the end of it was that my four years was up and um I had to do my 500 hours to um, to get my degree, and I was setting it up to start that, and then I was just going to get a job in construction, and then you know be kind of be done with soccer. And my coach at the time, he wasn't letting that happen, and he was like, he was like, I, I really believe that you can, you can play at the next level. Uh, what what that level is, I'm not sure, but I, I know I, I really believe. You know, I see kids come out and and do it all the time, and I really believe you can do it. So he forced me to go to Richmond Kickers were having just a weekend. Uh, walk-in tryout and uh and it was exactly that like you had all all kinds of people showing up to to go to that tryout and then um but let me back up I we um we applied for the MLS combine and nothing I didn't get anything nothing back uh I don't even think they answered it yeah It 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 was I don't even think I got like a no not this year type thing not just nothing back and so, you know, my coach made me go to this tryout. I went and I, um, the, the coach, uh, Lee Callishaw, at the time, offered me a contract. And I, I um, so I still had some school left. I had like a, um, like a semester left. And I told him that I, I would love to, you know, finish. But at that time, the A-League, um, like you mentioned, at the time it was called the A-League. Now it's USL. Um, the season was basically just during the summer. So I just missed a couple of games on the front end. Uh, and then the, the entire summer I spent in Richmond. And then I, and then I went back and forth uh, around playoff time, uh, back to school to do school and then come back, drop back. It was just like a three and a half hour drive. And I was just making that trip every week to, to come back to train and, and play. Um, and that was that, that first season and just and made it happen. And I had a really good season. But my contract, my contract was wild, man. I think we had to negotiate. Everything was bonus, right, uh, performance-based. But we had to negotiate just just two hundred dollars a month, two hundred dollars a month, um, just like a flat, just so I would have something just in case I got injured, you know. Um, and so I had a two hundred flat, and then I got so much if I started, uh, so much if I um, made the eighteen, so much if I got subbed in. I think I, if I made the eighteen, I made fifty dollars. If I if I got into the game, I made a hundred. And if I started, I got one hundred fifty. And I and that was it. And what if you I, won? What if you I won? Started like every what was that i said what happens if you do you get a winning bonus no nothing no <laughs> goal no goal bonus bonus or nothing, <laughs> nothing. um but I, I was staying with my buddies one of my buddies that I played at ecu with I state was staying with his dad he was from Richmond. and uh so I was living for free which is awesome um and I started basically every game so to me i you know I went from college to making some money playing soccer it was it was very uh exciting you know <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no <laughs> it was it's I, I want to go back a little. There's um, you had a lot in there. And the, the funny thing is we talk about the combine, uh, my college coach, we, none of us got in and we were pretty, we had a good team, uh, not, I meaning we were ranked and, and I remember he called the South Carolina coach on speakerphone and said, why didn't my guys get in? He was like, Carl, take me off speakerphone. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, no, I want, I want them to hear it from you, Carl. I got Bobby Boswell and Alan Handy here with me. And uh, he was like, "Carl, take me off speakerphone." And he's like, "No, tell him." And he was like, "Carl," he said, "Carl, you didn't submit it in time." And then he said, uh, "And even," and he goes, "And even the guys you submitted," he's like, "Boswell wasn't even one of them." <laughs> I was like I was, uh, like, "I was like, thanks, thanks." And he goes, "Well, well, can we get him in?" And he's like, "No, Carl, you can't get him in." So yeah. I just remember, I remember the combine being, you know, I, I didn't expect to go, but uh, I just remember thinking. Uh, that was my funny story with him. You yeah. you kind of skipped a, you skipped a big portion, not a big portion, but um, you didn't talk anything about PDL. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you you had some uh, PDL experience. That was that was where you were scoring goals left and right. So uh, yeah. I think at the time it was called the uh, was it Raleigh C A S L Elite, yeah. Or, or, yeah, That, that became that became what was it? They called it Castle. So that's Castle. The
1: yeah. Oh, okay that
0: makes sense yeah yeah I'm learning I'm still learning how to read but <laughs> but the uh then that was the team that ended up becoming the Railhawks and now it's like it's all kind of crazy names but um you know did you do you have a pretty good
1: experience
0: doing that yeah I'm,
1: I'm glad you brought that up I kind of forgot about PDL um so that was basically just in the summers Uh, um, you had to be playing at a university and I think you couldn't you couldn't have more than three guys from the same university so um or from the same school and they did that so you just couldn't you yeah. just could not yeah um have a whole team playing together. The, whole, the whole Clemson the whole Clemson Clemson team on yeah the team. but but it was great because it was in Raleigh so you have all those schools had, we had UNC we had um we had Duke we had NC State and at the time those were the big time schools um UNC one year I was in school they were they won the championship uh they won NCAA and and here we are uh, myself Actually, I was the only one from ECU. We became some friends with some guys from Campbell, uh, some of the smaller schools, because they had to make a full team, and so we, some of us got on those teams. And that is where I gained a lot of confidence. Um, I was able to play with, um, play alongside of these kids that played at um, ACC schools, um, and you know, top top ten schools in the nation, and and like playing well with them. Um, and I felt like I I kind of belonged. Um, and yeah, I gained a lot of confidence uh, playing those summers. I used to drive. Raleigh's like an hour from my house, right? And so uh used to drive an hour to training, an hour back, probably three times a week we were training. And then wherever we went for the weekend, it was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. But um, but it was uh, it was definitely worth it. And and the the whole atmosphere was just great. We had a really, really knowledgeable coach. Um uh, he had a ton of experience and and um it, it almost felt like a professional atmosphere uh, compared to you know college, but it, it was really cool.
0: What and then you know, so you kind of jumped ahead with the you're talking about how you ended up at Richmond. Um, where did you have any interest at all from MLS?
1: Like, did you hear any rumors about supplemental draft or it was just nothing? Nothing, nothing. no, no. After the combine, um, we just didn't hear back, um, there's there nothing there, nothing there. So it was just a
0: And was Richie in Richmond with you?
1: Yeah, we played one season together.
0: So, yeah. t- talk to me a little bit about, I mean, for those oh, that yeah. don't know
1: who Richie Williams
0: is, um. I don't. I I know Richie from uh, crossing paths with him, but um, everyone's got great Richie stories, and oh, it had yeah. to, you know, for a guy in your position,
1: um, <laughs> it had to be a great guy to have. Just yeah. you know,
0: just from yeah. learning from him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lee, I mean, sorry. Um, Richie was coming. It was. I think it was his last season playing soccer ever, and it was my first season. And so I, um, because we talked about briefly that Eddie Pope um, went to the same high school as I did, and so I followed Eddie's career he played at DC United, Richie was there. And so I knew who Richie was. Uh, I used to, you know, every DC United game that was on, I, I tried watching and Richie was always there. Um, and so I, I knew who he was and and he was coming back um, to play for Richmond where he started. And, um, and it was great. We played in the middle together and I did all the running for him, but, uh, <laughs> but I learned, I learned so much from Richie, such a, such a smart player. And um, he, he was awesome. He was awesome. he, at that time, he couldn't move well, um, and and Richie's a smaller guy, so it wasn't like he was. His stride was long, and he and he was getting older, and and he just, um, but he just did so much with his communication and just his his mind that um, I learned a lot from him. It was it was awesome, awesome to play alongside of Richie. Yeah. Well,
0: so you, you talk about you played a ton of games there. Um, you had a great season, and then a lot of people don't realize this, uh, but the U.S. Soccer Federation and the players were in a in a dispute back in 2005, you know, around that time. Yeah. And and they had to, uh, the players basically were locked out. So in order to field a team, uh, they brought in, um, and I'm going to use the word scabs because yeah. that's Brian Namoff's word and I've got a great story about that. <laughs> um, they bring in uh, scab players to fill the roster and, uh, you know, you're one of those guys. Talk- and I think that the, the joke was that one of your coaches told you, hey, you're gonna get a call from the national team. Um, it's not a joke. Like this is real. Um, and you're gonna be going to men's national team camp.
1: Yeah, I was at the movies and I was back at school um because this was the off season for A League. I was back at school finishing that last semester and uh or actually I think I was done at this point. And it was my my girlfriend at Tom time so it was still at school at ECU, So I was down visiting, got a I got a uh I came out of the movies and I had so many um messages like voicemails I, I don't even know if my phone had text like uh message voicemails and missed calls and so i look at it and I, uh, I had another number saved i had my coaches uh my assistant coach at richmond i listened to his voicemail first and he told he said something but i didn't even know what he was talking about to be honest with you i like I, it, it was it was um it wasn't even in my mind you know that because i had no idea there was even a, a strike or anything um i had no idea you know, obviously I know the national team and I know who the coach is and, and this and, and this and that, but I had no idea what was going on. And so he, I couldn't even understand his message. And then I listened to the other messages and then I hear Bruce arena and then, uh, and I'm like, what is going on? So then I call my coach and then I talked to him and he explains it. And it was just, it was, it was wild. We, so yeah, we, we were the scabs. They had to fill the team. So they called in a league players and they didn't even know much about us. Um, they knew I had a good season. I think I was the youngest guy that they brought in. Um, it was a lot of guys. Our team was really good at Richmond. A lot of it was probably like six or seven of us Richmond players. And then a, like probably five or six from like, I think Rochester was good at the time. John Wilson was on the John. Yeah, yeah, John Wilson. And so um, we go into camp. We just show up and we're in uh, we're in L.A. all of a sudden. And and everything's happening in a hurry because they we got to we got to play a World Cup qualifier. Not even like a this isn't a friendly or anything like that. A World Cup qualifier against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, that was the next game. And so we had we had like two weeks to prepare and we're in our off season, So we're not even in, in shape. We're not. I mean, like we're not even in good shape. We're not even uh, we hadn't been playing. Um, you know, I had been at school like partying. And so uh, we. were still you were, still, you were from, still in good shape though. I mean, we were in shape, but we weren't <laughs> in, we weren't in playing shape by any means. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our season was only maybe two and a half months long. Um, so, okay. so, Yeah, so we weren't in playing good playing shape, but we show up and uh, and we're just we're just piecing things together. We're um, Bruce and the the crew is putting us through um, you know training uh, like any other camp, um, and so we were there for we trained for about a week. And never, I remember we were out to eat, and I was out with my Richmond buddies, Richmond teammates. And I, I got a call, and it was Mooch. Um, you remember Mooch? Glenn, yeah, he, Glenn, he's. Glenn, he's that's Glenn yeah. Meyer, Nick. Yep, and he um, he called me, and he was like, "You are you by yourself?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can be." So I stepped away from, stepped away from the table, and I, I talked to him. And he said, "I don't know if you heard yet, but the strike. Oh, actually, one of the buddies' wives had heard about it. She called him while we were at the table." And yes, yeah, it's kind of funny. We can make we make a movie off of this, I, I swear. So we're at the we're at the table and we and we're having a beer and we're and because we found out the strike is over, so we order beers. And so um we're we're, at, we're like cheersing. And I get a call from Mooch. And Mooch uh is, he's talking to me on the side and, and he explains that the strike is over. I don't know if you he heard, but the strike is over. Like, yeah, um, such and such is wife just let him know uh, we're out to eat. And he's like, but um, Bruce wants to keep you here, um, and so I'm thinking that okay, we've been here for a week, we've been getting in shape, and now these guys are going to come in. So I thought they're going to do like a hybrid type thing, right? So like, okay, some of these some of these guys are pretty good. We're gonna we're gonna keep some of them and and bring in and and make a team. I, I was a little naive thinking, but uh, <laughs> so so then uh, we go in the next morning. I didn't even say anything to the guys. Uh, uh, we go in the next morning. And we're having a meeting and Bruce explains that the strike is over and we're, you know, we're done training. And he's just thanking us. He gave us uniforms uh, to thank us. And it was really cool. And he's like, but I want to make an announcement. We decided to keep uh, Clyde here. Uh, I was the youngest. I don't even know if I was 21. I, I might've been 21. Uh, you better be. Like, you're we're
0: drinking, you're drinking
1: a beer. Oh yeah. I was 21. And so, uh, <laughs> so uh, he, he, um, yeah, he, he said, we're keeping Clyde. We're keeping Clyde here to train with the team. And that was it. I thought it was going to be – I thought it was going to be, you know, a few of us at least. And I was the only one that he kept. Um, and you got nervous uh, as can be after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, that, those, that next day and a half, I was there by myself waiting, waiting for all these guys to come in. And now all of a sudden, like I, I just played one season in the A-League. I, You know, I was just straight out of ECU, played one season in the A-League, and now – all these, and this is the first team, Bob. This is a, this is like a yeah, World Cup, Cup qualifiers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, um, so yeah, the, the full team came in. The full team, like um, you know, Clint Mathis, um, like I, uh, Dempsey, and um, Mike McGee. We were, we were all the young guys. Um, Mike McGee, uh, Chad Marshall was in there, um, and we, we got, we became close because we were, and they, they, they kind of clean to me and vice versa, because we were around the same age. And like, they, it was one of their first camps as well. And then they had all these veterans. Um, and the story got even crazier because there was only two, there was only one other d mid in the whole camp, which was um, Pablo Mastroini. And so Pablo, it was just Pablo and myself, and that's it. And um, like, there were rumor there were like, you know, uh, talks that I was gonna be in the, in the 18 because we only had one d mid uh, in Pablo. And so um, that didn't end up happening. Uh, so then they, they, they moved Clint to D-Med, uh, Clint and Dempsey, to D-Med. And, he, and the three of us started playing D-Med uh, in training. And then uh, Clint and Pablo went to, to the game. But it was a wild experience. And then uh, came back. And then I ended up going to another camp um, after, after. Oh, so sorry. Let me go back. That, that <laughs> happened. And then all of a sudden, I, I just got so much attention.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say
1: radar. now you're on everyone's radar. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm on everyone's radar, and I and we go. I go back to school, and then I was there. For, I mean, back to uh, East Carolina, and I was there for maybe a week, week and a half. And every day, it was uh, DC United had discovered, got my rights at the time. Some discovery. I can't even remember all the rules. You're, yeah,
0: you were you were a discovery player because they yeah. discovered you because you lived. You played
1: in Richmond. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So dc um had my rights so if i was gonna go to mls it was gonna be dc and every day after i got back was dc going back and forth with richmond and richmond was not uh, and i got uh dan siegel um i ended up just signing with him uh he he seemed nice so i signed with him that was my agent my whole career uh, and he's great he's I, I wouldn't have picked anyone else he's awesome i like dan
0: that. Dan, dan is my agent too so uh, yeah yeah hi he's hi great.
1: dan we love we love you yeah yeah <laughs> and so uh um DC's, they're just going back and forth, back and forth. Um, the Richmond was just asking for so much. And I believe it was Dan that called Richmond and was like, look, you're gonna, you're gonna mess this up for Clyde uh in, in the in the end of the day. Like um, and so they came to terms. Uh one of the terms was DC had to go play a friendly every year um in Richmond. And guys, guys found out about that and they were just like, like, they were pissed. Uh, because it was like always in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the season, and it was the last thing we wanted to do. And we're, everyone's like, why are we? Why do we keep going to play this game? Why? And then, yeah, they found out. And at the time, I was one of the starters at D.C. after a few years, and um, they wouldn't even take the starters. But they, they had to take me. So it yeah, would be, yeah. it, it would be every, uh, all the guys that uh, to give them playing time and then myself. And so it just became apparent that it was, it was like the Clyde Sims game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: awesome. Uh, I, you talked about getting called back in. You eventually did get a cap um, against England, mm-hmm. which, is, uh, which is really cool that you were able to uh, join those guys. I think you actually came on for Clint Dempsey. So I did. It's, kind of, yeah. it's kind of funny that um, you, you brought him up. Um, so you're in D.C. Now I'm there with you. This is the start of our journey together. Um, you, you played seven seasons in D.C., uh, I added them all up. You had 229 appearances. That ranks sixth all time. Uh, you're one ahead of me. Uh, oh, wow. and, you're, and you're two ahead of, uh, of Richie Williams, uh, speak of the devil. So, um, and there's some incredible names ahead of you, um, you know, and it's crazy because when I look at, you know, I always look at the games and the numbers and things like that. And the craziest thing to me wasn't just the number of appearances you played. Um, but it was also you had 26 games in the Concacaf Champions League. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. and
0: and I just I, I try to explain to people what that was like, especially the early ones. And and we weren't even considered the early ones. They they people before us were Eddie Pope was the original, right? But yeah, um,
1: you know, what do you remember
0: from from that that tournament oh, playing kind
1: of games? It was it was wild. You know, you know what? I um, we were so lucky to play in those games, and because it's so. At the time, it was, um, I mean, you know how it was. It was kind of like, it was tough. It was tough first, but it was also like, um, it messes with you. You know, you, you see these teams that do well now, even now. And then they, now they got to play in this tournament at the beginning of the season. And it messes up, it messes with their whole season. You know, um, it's, it's really, it's tough. It's tough. You're playing midweek games every week um, for a while at the beginning of the season. And then, and you're, you're basically toast middle of the season. Um, but to be able to travel like we did uh, for those games and see and go experience those, um, you know, me and my buddies, I got a group chat with some guys I'll play with in new England. And um, we talk about the the national team. And I just talk about how difficult those, those games were, Um, you know, we're, we're in places where we have a security guard on our floor uh, with guns, you know, and you're like, what, where are we at? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what do we need all this for? um and we're in places where they're they're out singing like you see with the national teams like they're out make. um they got bands playing outside of our yeah. hotel um trying to keep us up all night um and it's just it's just very very difficult you know you're playing against teams that a lot of them weren't even that great but it was just such a difficult game every time every yeah. time now, yeah.
0: i remember i remember one of our trips we had a i think i remember will chang was there and he bought everyone beers mm-hmm. in the hotel after the, we i think we got a win in honduras um we had a israeli Military special forces team driving yeah. us around, and someone threw a snake on our bus. Um, yeah, when we weren't yeah. on the bus, and they, and they couldn't get the snake off. And I just remember being like, "What? What is happening here?" And Bobby, you know, they're, they're saying, "Focus yeah. on the game. Focus on the game." And you're like, "People yeah. are tra- thro- they're throwing snakes at us."
1: Yeah, I remember. I don't know if you're here this one year, Bobby. We were they were they were going to take us out to show like at night. They were going to take us out the, the security guys, and. Um, and we, we go to get in the van and, and I see them loading up a gun and, and we were like, ah, we're, we're going to stay here. We're going to stay here. Like it just wasn't, I mean, and they were just doing their jobs, but we were just like, nah, we're just going to stay here and, and hang out at the hotel. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was a wild, those were yeah. some wild uh, adventures. for sure. Well,
0: you got to realize I room with uh, the one of the crazy Russians. So yeah. Uh, yeah. there was, I always had CONCACAF stories, uh, you know, there were nights where we did go out with those military guys just to, and we just drove around town just to see Mm -hmm. it. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was, like you said, I look back now and I miss, I miss going with the guys. Um, and I miss some of the atmospheres. I don't miss the meals being terrible and the, you know, the referees being questionable and the lights going out and not being able to drink the water. Not, yeah. You know, people throwing bags of piss at you and things like that, but, um, let's go back to you. You, 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 Uh, you know, I I mentioned earlier, you became kind of an iron man for, for DC. I think one year you only missed like three minutes um, uh, of the game. Um, You know, just, just talk to me a little bit about having some success with DC. You won two supporter shields there and uh, an open cup, um, you know, and it was uh,
1: you you had a lot of success and you played a ton of games for DC. Yeah. Yeah. DC was, uh, it was great. I mean, obviously I was there doing my prime. Um I, I was very fortunate. I mean, I I look back now and realize how lucky I was to to basically have the body because you know some guys just you see guys all the time such good players and they just can't catch a break with injuries, like just left and right injuries. And it's just like a a lot of times it's the body. Uh, and and I, I did a ton of training in the off-seasons. I, I remember uh, Mateus, who I think is still back in D.C. now. Uh, he's yeah. finally back. And um, he was awesome. Like, I would, go, I would go, like, four or five times a week um, to his facility and uh, where he was working, and we would just work on things to make me stronger so I would be able to sustain a, a full season, especially with all the games that we played. And um, I think that was a big, a big factor as well. I mean, I, I, I learned that now. or I definitely know that now, you know, doing what I do for a living uh, with, with the studio and uh, spin studio. And, like, I have to continue to strengthen my body just so I can continue to do this as long as possible. And it's no different there. It's, it's the little things with, um, with soccer that a lot of people don't realize. And, and um, those guys that are able to play. A long time. It is a lot of it is. They're you know they're blessed with a certain you know athletic body that can withstand all of that all of that uh movement and and pressure. But also they they do a lot of work behind the scenes to to stay strong, um to do that. And, and, and those years I, I did that. I was you know I was all in. um It was something that I wanted to do. The DC gave me a good contract after my first contract, and I you know I just wanted to be I wanted to be you know the best player I could be at, at that time and. Um, yeah. I think that had a lot to do
0: with it as well. Yeah. And you talk about uh, taking care of your body, but you know, when you, when you play as many minutes and as many games as you did in that period, obviously, I know you had some hernia, um, mm-hmm. you had some hernia surgeries and um, you know, your body kind of, your body kind of falls apart and um, we're going to get to, to your kidneys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I say there are, every guy has, you um, every guy has some scars from, from when they played and, and you, uh, you have a lot, um, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think on one level it's, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh. But on the other hand, it's kind of a, uh, it's cool. Right. Cause you, you show your son, you say these, these are the sacrifices I made yeah. to, to chase this dream. Um, and, and I think that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, I, I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to get into the coaching changes at DC, but um, you know, I don't, I don't want to put, it was a bit of a nightmare after I left, you know, I know yeah. Tommy came, Tommy came in and um, gave us opportunities, but then he kind of dismantled a, a supporter shield winning group. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you were kind of there for all that. And and you end up becoming the longest 10 guy there. Um, and you go from playing next to Ben Olson to playing for Ben Olson. Um, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about those rough years uh, from, you know, a lot of success early to kind of, uh, you know, fighting
1: for, fighting for playoff spots yeah. to even make it. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and Bob, you played on, on good team, well-coached teams too. And, and it's, it was really cool. Uh, it definitely helps me with what I do now and, and managing um, a business to see the good and the bad. You, you almost learn more from the not so good, um, you know, coaches and support that you have versus the really good ones. Uh, a lot of times you take the really good ones for granted. Um I look back at um you know the, the best years we had were under Peter um uh, for sure um and you know Peter had uh, yeah I mean he was just uh, the way he the way he went about things was um it was good I mean we were we were the youngest guys Bob, when we were there and um I don't know Peter had a way about him that he he had you wanting to run to a brick wall it was it was it was wild and um and he was great um and then you, you know you see other coaches that don't do it as well um, we, um you know i saw coaches in my career that were really fo- it was all about them you know is what it was about their success um to me when peter was at dc i can't speak for peter after dc uh, i know he had a lot more control in other other spaces but um but when he was at dc i mean he was um through my career throughout my career he's one of the best coaches that i had uh for sure um and uh, yeah, I mean, just the little things. But I remember when Peter used to, he used to walk out with us. All the yeah. other coaches, be, yeah, he'd be on the all the other coaches would be on the golf cart. Peter used to walk out and he would pick another a new guy every day to walk with and just talk to him and about anything. Um, yeah, yeah, he was great. He was great. Yeah, um, I,
0: I'd say Pete, Peter, you knew where you stood at all times. Yeah, and yeah, and he he would he wouldn't sugarcoat it, but he was. Uh, I always say he was, you know. I don't like using the word man enough anymore, but he was, uh, big enough, even though he's this little guy, he yeah. was big yeah. enough to tell you the things that, uh, that you needed to hear and, yeah. and you knew where you stood. And every guy on the team, whether they wanted to or not, had to, had to walk with him one way or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, um, you know, he, he was, yeah, he, Peter, I think he, he understood
1: the players from a player standpoint. He did. He did. And he didn't tiptoe, like you said, and you know, who else was like that, um, that I had uh, a little bit of experience with was Bruce okay. and it's no, and you always know where you stand. And, but, and he's going to let you know ahead of time, you're not going to be, if everybody's healthy, you're not going to be a starter on this team, but this is, this is where you're going to be. And this is exactly why I need you. Um, and, and he, and he still finds a way to have you buy in, you know, um, you know, when I talk to people about coaches and, and the, you know, how, just the effect that they have on the team is, is, is so much bigger than a lot of people realize, you know, you're with, you're with the coach every day. They have so much, they have their finger on everything, you know, they yeah. they have their, they have control of everything, every little thing. Um, And I've, and I've been a totally different player under one coach and then a totally different player under another where I felt like I just didn't, ha- I didn't have any control. It made me wonder if I was even a good soccer player sometimes, you know, but, and then under another coach, I felt, I felt like I was on top of the world um yeah yeah and so you, you, well, you see yeah
0: well um i you know i i think it's interesting because you did have some success um and then you know uh 2011 comes around and you you're not you don't get protected they don't pick up your option um yeah. and at, were you were you ready for a change at that point or were were you upset
1: about it uh, or just kind of indifferent on it um yeah no yeah. i, I at that time, I, I wanted um, – I thought I wanted to coach after playing. And at that time, um, I was ready to see something something else. Um, yeah, it was just it, – it, it had just been time. I mean, I didn't expect them to pick up my option. I, you know, I had some injuries towards the end of that, end of that run, and my, my salary was super high uh, after my contract, and I didn't expect them to pick it up. Um, and rather than uh, wait to try to negotiate with them, I, I went ahead and went into the draft um, the re-entry draft at the time. And, um, I was excited to see something new. Um, and I ended up in new England. Uh, yeah. New England and, yep. and, and this, uh, your,
0: your time in new England is very perplexing to me Yeah. Um, because you only played in new England for two years before you retired. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when, and, and I, I mentioned your, your fifth, you know, you're in the top five, top 10 all-time D.C. United minutes, um, but I feel like you're more of a New England guy, and maybe it's because you live there, and, <laughs> yeah. and I know you, I know you work with the team, you've done some media, and I know you coach a little on the side, and you do some stuff up there, um, you know, and that's where your home is, that's where your family is, um, but it's just interesting because, it wasn't like the two seasons you were there, you know, you, you, you essentially are play, replacing an irreplaceable guy in Shaw mm-hmm. Um yeah. you know, and and, you know, fans are, you know, they, it's New England, right? They're Boston. They, they have opinions on everything. Um, yeah. but, but I feel I feel like they embraced you and you embraced that culture and that team. And I almost feel like you're you're more aligned with New
1: England than you are with D.C. and your current life. Oh, current life for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, so when I came to new England, Charlie was still here and yeah, I knew that. I knew that. i just saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we, we had, um, I think a a lot of reason why they embraced uh, me because the games we did play together, we had some really good games. I mean, we, we went in and I remember when LA was really good in 2013, we went in and like, like beat them pretty good, uh, at their place early in the season. We, um, we were good. And then, we had some injuries and Shari had to move to the back line. And then Shari had some outs with the, um, you know, uh, upper management. And, and he was a designated player at that, at that point. And it's always tough. Um, Shaz, we call him Shaz. He he played with, um, he played with Jay and then Jay was the coach. He was Jay's captain and then Jay was the coach. And so that's always a difficult dynamic, you know? Um, and so Shari, they, they sent Shari to Chivas um, USA at the time and, we didn't get much time together, but we we had some good, really, really good games. And I was really excited about that because um, we battled our whole career, you know, uh, yes yeah, uh, yeah, whenever D.C. played New England and uh, such a good player. Uh, I learned a lot from Shari. But to, when we when we went in together, it was we were really excited. Um, but it didn't last long. But uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think New England, they appreciate guys that just go go all out, you know. They, they, they work hard they they're gonna give their all to the team and, and that's what I did and that, that's where i basically tried that's how i played anywhere I played basically that, that was my job on the field and um and I found comfort in that in playing that way and um yeah that was that was just me
0: well let's uh you know let's I said you were only there two seasons you end up retiring um early um talk to me a little bit uh, I know your story Better than most, but just for the people that aren't familiar with it, talk to them. Uh, to tell us a little bit about your kidneys and, and why yeah. you end up uh,
1: stopping early. Yeah. So, uh, come to find out, I was born with a kidney disease, a r- super rare kidney disease, FSGS. Uh, that's the, the acronym. And so, basically, it's a kidney disease. It's so rare that they don't really do much research on it because it's just not worth it. Um, that's how rare it is. And um, it just takes away your kidney function over time. It can happen really quickly. Or it can happen sl- super slow, and mine was super slow. So we discovered mine when I was young. I was going to my pediatrician. They noticed protein in my urine. I did some tests. Protein in the urine is not uncommon for young kids. So they give you a, um, a steroid, prednisone, and that usually knocks it out, and then you're good, good to go. And they said they. I remember they said at that time, if it doesn't work, he probably has FSGS. Um, and sure enough, it didn't work. Um, and so they, they, we just went about, you know, I went about life knowing that I had FSGS. I didn't, I didn't know for sure. I mean, it was like 99.9% that I had FSGS. We didn't do a biopsy until my, uh, in between my two seasons at, uh, with the revolution, we did a biopsy. And then I was finally diagnosed with FSGS, but we, we pretty much knew. Um, and so they told me when I had it, the only things you can do, the only thing you can do is slow it down one. The things you do to slow it down is keep an eye on your blood pressure, um, exercise, and drink lots of water. And, I mean, fortunately, I was a professional soccer player, so I was able to stay active, you know, my whole life. Um, and then we, I would take medication for blood pressure to keep that down. Because the way it works, the higher your blood pressure goes, the worse it makes your kidneys. The worse your kidneys get, the higher your blood pressure. So they just keep going like this. So if you can control the blood pressure, you can you can keep the kidney function Um somewhat okay um and so throughout my career probably when I started playing professionally I was probably already at like 50 percent function um kidney function towards the end of my career when I um my last year or so in England it had gotten down to 20 percent once it gets to a certain percent you got to start dialysis or you got to start you or you need to start talking about getting a um a transplant And so what happens with your kidneys, your kidneys release all your toxins. Uh, Every time you urinate, um, the kidneys are flushing all toxins out of your body Uh, and and toxins are in your body, you know, coming to your body all the time. Um, Your kidneys work well, it gets all of it out. That's why you feel good. Um, And so the kidneys weren't, weren't doing this job to, um, you know, to its full ability. So I would have toxins just build up in my, in my blood and, and, uh, it, and you don't feel it. You just get tired. You're really tired. Um, whenever I get a little injuries, Bob, um, it, it took me like so much longer to recover. I'd be sore after games for like, probably like another day and a half than other guys, um, stuff like that. But you got used to it. You know, I, I used to take naps every day. Um, yeah, I know. I used, to, I used to come yeah. over every day, every day <laughs> yeah. and, and you'd take a nap,
0: you know, Jamil yeah. and I would
1: just hang out. Yeah. But I, I thought I was just, you know, just somebody that needed naps, you know. Um, and, um, but that was it. That's all you really knew. And then we just watched it. We watched it. Whenever I had to take like painkillers or anything like that, my kidney function would go down and then I, then I stopped taking it and then it come back up. So I realized how bad that was for me, uh, toward all shots that would, that would crush it. And then I, and then I wouldn't do it. it come back up. And it was so, it was so difficult because you, you want to play, you know, you're there to play. Like, this is what this is. I mean, this was fun. This was really good fun. And, and you want to be there for your team and your teammates and, and uh, you want to play. And so there'd be times where I had to make a decision to, to do some stuff to continue to, to play um, versus not play uh, that you would normally do that everyone else was doing. Um, but they would affect my kidneys um, you know, more so than anyone else. Cause I had my kidney disease. And so it was like, it was just, it was tough the entire career. And then t- towards the end of my career in new England, it just got to a point where I would get a, I, I used to go to sleep perfectly fine. I'd wake up, couldn't even walk. Like maybe I got kicked in practice the day before and, and, you know, adrenaline, whatever, you didn't feel it. Next morning I wake up and it's swollen. Uh And I have to do all of this stuff before practice to get to a point where I could train, just to train. Uh, I had turf toe at the end of my career and that basically did it. Like that was the most frustrating thing. Um, that's what you see. Just, and and did you tell
0: teams? I mean, I, I I guess you weren't completely sure, but did you feel like if you were upfront and honest with these teams about hey, I might have an issue? That do you feel like you would have been punished?
1: Oh no! Well, they knew. They knew. But, so everyone everyone knew about it. Everyone knew. Yeah. Um, like Goody, you know, Goody, at DC at DC, I was kind of on my own. Um, and I was a kid. You know, I was. Um, and it, it's one of those things out of sight, out of mind. Like I didn't want to think about my kids. I felt fine. And I and I, it was just like something. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna play and I'm gonna deal with it later. When I came to New England, and, I, and I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. When I came to New England, and obviously everyone knows about the hospitals up here and, and the care that you can get up here, uh, and the knowledge. Um, the first thing, my physicals, they knew about my kidney disease, and they they set up appointments for me with a nephrologist, and they made sure I went to all my appointments. Um, they scheduled them. They, they I, If I had to practice, I mispractice and go to my appointment. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I didn't really get a grip on my kidneys until I came to New England. Um, and that is one, one really good thing I have to say about the revs um, in the way I was treated with my kidneys. And they didn't hold They never held it against me. They always did everything they could to uh, make sure that I was going to be okay and keep an eye on it. Um, and so that's when I got a, a real grip on my kidneys and it got to a point where it was getting low, getting low. And then, um, I had a chance to go play one more season. Um, I was, I was talking with, uh, San Jose actually. And then it got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to, if I do anything, it's going to be one year and I don't know what kind of, kind of situation it's going to be. I'm going to move all my stuff out West for one season. I always wanted an excuse to live in California, but at that point, I just, I just called it. I remember, um, calling my, uh, she's one of my best friends uh and my ex at the time Katri. um and i remember calling her and i said i think i'm done uh playing and and um and she uh, supported me in that and uh and we weren't together at the time but uh still really good friends um well. yeah we can get into that but uh and then uh uh and then i called i called dan right after that and then that was that was it and it's so crazy. I never forget, I got the phone with Dan and I told you, I mentioned I was having trouble with turf toe, my toe, and it was just a pain. Uh, I, stop, like, stop it stopped hurting. As soon as I got the phone with him, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. It was crazy. <laughs> it was. I feel like it was stress just built up and then yeah. I let it go and then I, it was, it was good.
0: Well, you brought up Catry. um, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, you end up needing to have this, have a liver transplant. Um, I know she made a, she made a big sacrifice and, (laughs) you know, uh, talk to me about finally, uh,
1: getting not just one, but two kidney transplants. Yeah. So I had another friend, uh, Portia, um, I was friend, really good friends with her and her husband. Uh, when I played in DC, they lived in Baltimore and, and we just became really, really good friends. Um, Portia was a nurse. And when I needed a kidney, um, she donated a kidney. I didn't get her kidney. They have this thing where they can, um, they put you in a program, they match you up. So I was getting, I was getting this kid, this other, this kid was donating the kidney to his mom. Portia's kidney went to the mom and I got the guy's kidney. He was basically the same age as me. Uh, so it worked out really well. Um, and then the kidney just did not take, um, Portia's kidney went to the, the lady and hers was awesome. Uh, I think she's still, um, I've met, I've met that um, mother and son and uh, I, I believe she's still doing really good, the mother. Um, and, but my kidney did not work. It just did not, it didn't take for whatever reason. Uh, and that was, a, that was like the worst week ever. Uh, just, I, okay. So they put it in, uh, they go to check it out the next day. They have to go in and do another surgery the next day to try to make some adjustments. So then we go back in and they're just waiting for it, waiting for it to come back to maybe like two days. And then I had a I had a um, vein bust inside inside and it was just literally something out of a movie. I never seen blood like projectile, just straight out of my straight out of my scar and straight out of my stomach. They had to go in again. And then when I woke up that time, uh, they had taken it out. They just said it's just not working. And so they um, put me back on dialysis and I went on dialysis for like another year and we just waited for another kidney. And so we we're waiting for a kidney. And um, I was registered in Georgetown in D.C. and in MGH in Boston. So whoever got a kidney first, I would go. Um, I got another call from Georgetown maybe like a year later. And uh, they're like, we, we have a kidney for you. We're going to schedule a surgery. Um, and we're going to call you, call you back. And it was really exciting. So I called my family. and That was it. And I told them, I said, they got a kidney, but we're not going to tell anyone this time because it was it was big news um, when I was getting my first kidney and it didn't work out. And I just we were extra bummed because it was, you know, it was all in the press and like everyone was so excited, but then let down. And so this time we weren't going to tell anyone. Right. And so Katry calls me like the next day and she says, uh, why, uh, why didn't you tell me you got a kidney? And so Katri still talks to my she talked to my sisters, their friends. And I'm like, one of my sisters, like, they have such big mouths, you know? Like, they, <laughs> they've they obviously told Katri that I got a kidney. And I, and I said, well, we weren't going to tell anyone this time around. We were just going to, after it was a, a success, then we were going to tell people. And I said, well, how would you find out anyways? And Katri said, um, because I'm the donor. And that was, uh, it was wild. That was a wild time, yeah. Um, So, so another situation where I didn't get Katri's kidney. Her kidney went to someone else so that I could get a kidney. Um, so, they started this program because so many people can get better matches. Um, like, if Bob, if you wanted to donate a kidney to me and we weren't a match, we weren't anything close, you just would not be able to donate. But now that they have this program, you could donate and your kidney would go to someone that you're more compatible with, and I would get a kidney because you donated. Um, so, basically, you'd be donating on my behalf. And that's how it works. Um, so, it, it worked out. Uh, Worked out really well, and uh, and I'm still with the same kidney. Uh, my kidney came from Indiana, and I've met um, I've met my donor. She's a nurse as well, and uh, yeah, it's just a, a great situation. She's had I've followed her story, and she's had two kids since she donated, since I've gotten her kidney, and uh, yeah, we're like close friends now. That's cool. Yeah, it'll be cool. it'll
0: be six six years in December, right?
1: Six years in December. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's a, you know, let's wrap it up with, uh, just one, one good story where, uh, it kind of transitioned to what you're doing now. You kind of hinted at, uh, studio and cycling, but, um, you know, there was a point where really fitness, uh, saved your life and it kind of leads perfectly from that story about your kidneys into what you're doing now. So tell us about, um, how, how being fit, uh, saved your life.
1: Yeah. So I was in, um, uh, my kidney function was low and my doc, my nephrologist told me, he said, the only reason why he he was like, you probably still have a good like two years before you need to go on dialysis. He said, the only reason why you would need to get started dialysis any sooner is if you, um, get really, really sick. Right. Not even, no exaggeration a week or two later, I got really, really sick. And then, uh, I had a really bad stomach bug. And while I was in the hospital, they didn't know at the time, but they were giving me um, something that I was allergic to—vancomycin. Uh, it's a antibiotic, routine antibiotic that a lot of people take, and very successful, very successfully. But I was allergic to it. We didn't know, um, and they were—they were just kept pumping this in, into me, and I was getting really, really sick. I got temperatures up to 107.5, and so um, I I'll never forget that day. My, you know, my um, there were probably seven people in my, in my room throwing ice on me. Uh, my nurse is crying. Uh, and I'm like, and I felt, I felt fine. And I'm, I'm like, what is going on? But when I saw her crying, I, that's when I got really scared, but I was fine. I, I came out of it fine. The next morning, my doctor came in. He was like, the only reason why I think that you one survived, uh, and two, um, didn't come away with like brain damage or something like that is because you're so fit. And I, and I had just come off soccer season. um, and that, we at that point we had already decided to do the studio, but that like solidified it. Like you know that that is my, you know my goal. I you know a lot. I know a lot of people. There's a lot of just a lot of different philosophies around fitness and body positivity and and this and that. But to know what being fit actually fit like um, did for me, I wanted to bring that to other other people. Um, and it, cause it, you know, it, it, you know, we've all been in better shape and then in worse shape. We've all been there, um, even myself and you, you, you know, you feel better, uh, nine times out of 10 when you're in shape. I mean, physically you feel better. You can get up, you can, you can move better. You can, um, you can withstand more, more things during the day. And, and obviously for me to withstand, uh, what I did in the hospital, be, just because I was so fit, it was just, um. It's just something went off in my in my head, and so ever since then, I've been um, full time at the studio. Um, like you mentioned before, I do some other things. Um, I coach like one on one soccer with kids. I, l- I love doing that um, in small groups. I can't commit to a team. I love to coach a team, but I can't commit to a team because I just work so much with the with the studio. That uh, you know, with a team, you have to have a set time that you're meeting. Uh, I can I can shift things around for one on one training, so I do that. I do radio for the Revolution, uh, so I'm, I'm on the um, 98 the Sports Hub, and so myself and and Hardy, he's the he's the personality. I'm just like the analyst. So <laughs> like, I got. No, you're, me, the, you're that. the
0: personality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell tell
1: people it's called Rev,
0: um, and you have six locations now.
1: We do, we do. Yep. Yes. Um, so and, and during COVID, it's been like an assortment of different things. We've been doing pop ups here and there, and um, so it's Rev'd, Rev R E V is in Victor apostrophe d d isn't dog so rev apostrophe d wrapped wrapped indoor cycling yep, yeah and, and, that, that's
0: and nice. then i know y'all you also have a podcast if you enjoy listening to uh, clyde there's a it's born for greatness a wrapped podcast you can hear him there he already told you you can hear him on the radio uh calling games and uh, you know i just encourage i encourage those that uh that are in the new england area go see him at at the studio because um you know there's fewer fewer people in this world that will put a smile on your face like uh like will. so um listen i i can't thank you enough you know uh it's amazing your story is just so incredible uh you know and it's incredible that you're i think the most fascinating thing in this whole i knew a lot about um a lot of your life before but i didn't realize the inductions into the hall of fames um i think that's just a huge honor it couldn't have gone to a more deserving person and uh you know, you were always a great teammate, um, and you're always a great professional. So I'm not surprised that, um, you know, you're having success and your new passion. And, um, you know, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Anytime, Bobby. I appreciate you, man. It's Clyde Sims, everybody. Thank you for listening to play by players, visit PlayByPlayersPod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.